0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. We are rolling through the All-32 as we take a look at every single NFL team, uh, or at least until we get to the Jaguars and then give up because nobody cares about them and Pete Frisco won't come on to talk about them. Uh, make sure to download, subscribe, rate, review, uh, five-star review. If you have a question about a specific team you want us to cover or any specific you know person you want to talk to or a question about a specific team, let us know and we'll dive into it. Uh, we have... Two more to go to wrap up the AFC East and NFC East in our first week of this series. And we're going to talk Jets with Manish Mehta at M-Meta-N-Y-D-N on Twitter covers the Jets and of course the NFL as a whole for the New York Daily News. Manish, what's going on, buddy? Hey, Will, what's going on? Uh, it's, I'm good. I, I think the Jets. So I, I've, I've sort of been kind of pounding the table and I, I, and I know you, I know you tweeted about Sam Darnold. Uh, let's see. We're recording this on Thursday. Uh today is Friday, June fifth. When people are listening, we record on Thursday. I think on Wednesday you tweeted that Sam Darnold might be the best quarterback in the AFC East, and I know that like you like to sort of poke people with the Darnold tweets and all that. But I might I might agree with you, like say, or maybe 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 he's just he's the best. He's he's better than anybody of the Patriots. What was the what was the tweet? I, I think there's some semblance of reality here that Sam Darnold is being overlooked in the in the in the ranking of the of the of the AFC East quarterbacks.
1: Well, I do think he's the best quarterback in the AFC East. Uh, yesterday or earlier in the week, I should say, I was specifically referring to Darnold versus what uh, Bill Belichick is working with this year, and Jared Stidham and, and Hoyer. Uh, look, I think he will ultimately be proven to be the best quarterback in the division. Clearly, Josh Allen and his team have had more success uh, to this point, and I think that's going to continue, at least from a team standpoint. I think Buffalo is the best team in this division and uh, I know seeing is believing but I believe that they will win the division this year but just from a skill set standpoint as a quarterback uh, I would take Darnold over Josh Allen clearly over Stidham Uh, obviously two is a question mark at this point but he's got all the raw skills I'm sure you've talked about it as well Will Uh, he's got a ton of potential for me the next step would be uh, what can the play caller do for him and Mm -hmm. what can his surrounding pieces around him do for him in terms of elevating his game to the next natural level.
0: Well, I mean, I think the 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 pieces around him and the Adam Gase factor, like, yeah. are are sort of what maybe that's why people are not very bullish on the Jets heading into heading into twenty twenty. I mean, look, like what, what what like Minka Fitzpatrick traded blows up. Um, Ryan Tannehill traded wins the, I think he would come back player of the year. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Yeah. You know, and like, and then Kenyon Drake traded immediately becomes like a, like a feature bell cow back on another team. It almost feels like everybody that Adam Gase, it's whatever the reverse Midas touch is. Does that how, I mean, where are you at on Adam Gase? And do you like, I mean, he, he had great success with Peyton Manning, but he hasn't done a whole lot elsewhere. Uh, I tend to think he's a smarter offensive mind than people are giving him credit for now, but the, you know, the, the, all the the press conferences. All, I mean, it's it's such a weird thing with him that he would go to New York and be standoffish. I, I I like where where do we stand on on Adam Gase as it relates to sort of the fan base and with ownership? Well, well, you forgot about
1: Devontae Parker having his oh, last year. My, that's but, my guy too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, right. even, even Mike Gesicki had a, a pretty good second season as well without Gase. Uh, look, it's a complicated question. Uh, I think if you look at this objectively, uh, you have to divide Adam Gase's NFL career uh, with Peyton Manning and without Peyton Manning. Uh, he's been in the NFL for 17 seasons in, in a number of different capacities, whether it was position coach, offensive coordinator, you know, even scout in the beginning. Uh, he's only been a part of a winning culture, so a winning team in uh, four of those 17 seasons. So he's been surrounded by a lot of losing, whether it was San Francisco, Detroit, uh, Chicago, uh, Miami, and obviously most recently New York. Uh, he's had a great amount of success in three of those seasons with Peyton Manning. He's only been part of a winning organization once in his uh, career, or two-decade career, without Peyton. So uh, he's got a lot to prove in terms of trying to actually convince people that he can be a winning piece to the formula without arguably one of the top five quarterbacks in the history of football so he's 30 and 35 as a head coach for a reason he's nine and 24 Mm -hmm. on the road as a head coach for a reason Uh, his offenses without Peyton Manning I believe were something like 24 25 27 31 and most recently uh, dead last 32nd so that's a fair concern and I think the reason in fact I know the reason the Jets Hired him was to bring out the best in Sam Darnold because they believed that uh, he had the skill set to do that. And I'm with you, Will, in that I believe that he has good ideas. Uh, he's not a dummy. Uh, I, I, you know, tend to take less stock in the press conferences than maybe you know, the average fan does. Yeah, they're unusual. He's a peculiar guy, mercurial guy. Uh, but that doesn't have anything to do, in my opinion, with how uh, good or bad of a coach he is. I think the results speak for themselves. And he did not bring out the best in Darnold last year. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, Darnold had incremental improvement, uh, but it wasn't that size seismic leap that people were hoping for from year one to year two, much like we saw in, in Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen has a lot of room to grow, but he clearly made progress in year two with Darnold, you know, more of a mixed bag. So that's why people are wondering, can he make that significant jump from year two to year three?
0: Yeah, I mean, the press conference thing is like, it's, I mean, it's probably overblown. It's just, you can't go to, like, I mean, you, you know this as well as anybody because you've covered the Jets for a really long time. Like, if you go to New York and you're an a-hole, you better win. Cause if you don't, you're getting, like, I mean, if you go to New York and you're, and you show up with a baseball cap on and pull it over your eyes and then you're like staring at, at the taco, titanic thing i mean it's like a meme it's not real but it's like it does sort of feel like that's what happened you know yeah look i think
1: there's some inherent securities that he has and i'm not a psychologist by any stretch of your imagination uh but uh, the bottom line is production i think one of the most underplayed elements of adam Gates as a head coach uh is not about x's and o's it's about leadership and i think there is a leadership void with him I, i do not believe that he is a good enough leader to succeed. Now he has good leaders around him. He has Mm. some strong people around him, uh, at least from a a football coaching standpoint. Uh, Greg Williams is a guy who dealt with a lot of similar things on the defensive side of the ball last year, but the defense was extremely productive. You know, it wasn't a top five defense by any stretch, but he dealt with losing the quarterback of his defense, CJ Mosley for the majority of the season. And uh, the Jets, Uh, I don't want to say didn't miss a beat, but they were clearly an an extremely efficient unit on that side of the ball. And again, he's got a young, talented quarterback who I think can also perhaps masks some of uh, the coach's deficiencies. But leadership is a real question. And I think if you're being honest with yourself in that building, you know that there are some leadership issues with this guy. And I don't think they were solved at all based on the information that I got behind the scenes. Mm. Uh, I don't think he solved any of that, frankly. I don't think he learned much uh, from what happened in Miami. And that was a concern, Will, uh, you know, going from one head coaching job, fired after three seasons, uh, immediately to becoming a head coach again without uh, having a year or so to kind of learn from your mistakes uh, perhaps as a coordinator somewhere else. He got that other job right away. I think that emboldened him, you know, to think that, hey, what I was doing in Miami wasn't wrong. You know, the problem was with, with was with the Dolphins, not with me. And I think that manifested itself, frankly, uh, with what happened with him in the Jets
0: last season, you know, we, I think we've seen that a lot, and it's it, it, it's weird. Like coaches almost don't get that. Not that like you shouldn't take a head coaching job because they're rare; they're hard to get. I mean, there's only 32 of them. Like some some of these dudes will hold on to these forever. I mean, Bill Belichick's been doing it for 20 years, but like Chip Kelly when he went to the 49ers, uh, Rex Ryan when he went to the Bills, it's like just take just take a year off, like reset, reset. Like you're rich you're going to get another job like you you're showing that you can clearly get another job it's almost better to like hit the hit, hit hit the pause button take a step back sort of reevaluate what you're doing and 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 you're right like adam Gase didn't have time to do that because he immediately took the jets job in the same division um with a team that and a franchise that just hasn't been stable for for i mean ever really and yeah, the, I, I feel bad for him in a sense because Sam Darnold getting motto. I mean, that's the most preposterous storyline on the planet. And they, this team did play well down the stretch. But, Manish, when you look at the depth chart, I mean, I believe in Darnold. I just have questions about whether this offense can take a big step forward based on the weapons around him. I agree. Uh,
1: you know, I thought one of the missteps that Joe Douglas made this offseason was not retaining Robbie Anderson, not yeah. because I think Robbie Anderson's an all-pro player. You know, he hasn't made an all-pro team, hasn't been a pro bowler, but because he was a, an ascending young player who was developing a rapport with your most indispensable asset, the quarterback. So he and Darnold were developing something good. And you could see that. I've watched every snap that the quarterback has made since he came into the NFL and every snap that Robbie Anderson has played since he came into the NFL. And something good was happening there. And they did not allow that to continue because they did not want to pay an extra, you know, three, $4 million, mm-hmm. whatever it ended up being. And they brought in Brashad Perryman. And look, if you play fantasy football, you remember Brashad Perryman's December. <laughs> he probably won you some fantasy leagues, right? Yeah. Uh, so he was extremely effective in the last month, in the most recent month of his career. However, the prior three or four years were a complete bust, and I don't even think that Brichard Perryman would debate that. So he is an unknown. I don't know what he is going to be for the Jets this year. He signed on a one-year deal. It's essentially a, a trial season for him. Uh, you've got Denzel Mims, who I do like. Uh, he is a rookie, so you do have to manage your expectations. I think he can be an important contributor for Darnold in the long run, but I don't know what you're going to get out of 2020, uh, Jameson Crowder to me was exceptional as a, a slot guy, uh, but uh, I, I'm with you. Uh, I think that, you know, I, I don't know if there's adequate weaponry, and not only in the skill position players, but the offensive line as well. It's a whole new offensive line, four new starters. Uh It's an unusual offseason, so these guys did not have an opportunity in the spring to at least start to lay the foundation as a unit. They're going to have to do that in training camp, so uh it's going to be kind of a crash course. Uh, and we probably buried the lead, Will. We have not talked about how incredibly poor uh, Le'Veon Bell was deployed last year. Yeah. It you know, wasn't that mean,
0: long ago, right? Was it the Monday night game against the Browns where um, – who was it? Uh, gosh, who was starting? Was it Fails? David Fails uh, starting?
1: Trevor, 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 Trevor,
0: Trevor Simeon. started and they were like, all right, look, we got nothing. We're just going to run Le'Veon Bell into the middle of the line like 400 times and just hope right. that he breaks one.
1: Yeah, he, and that was another failure on Gase's part. I mean, yeah. you have a player who arguably was the best running back in the NFL when he last played in Pittsburgh. And I think his final game in Pittsburgh was a playoff game against Jacksonville, in which he had 150 total yards and three touchdowns. So he clearly had it when he came to the Jets. I know he took a year off uh for financial reasons. But, sure. uh you know, he, he, he averaged, I think it was 3.2 yards a carry. Le'Veon Bell is not necessarily a home run hitter but he's not a 3.2 yards per carry type of back. I don't think he was used properly at all. Uh, he clearly was not the focal point of the offense for the majority of the season. And, and that, that kind of traces back to what happened in free agency. Adam Gates did not want Le'Veon Bell. It did not have anything to do with the money initially until word got out that he didn't want Bell. And then he kind of changed the narrative or attempted to change the narrative behind the scenes by saying he did not want to pay that kind of money for a running back. And I don't, Uh, I I don't uh, discount that at all. He didn't want to pay money for a running back. That being said, in a vacuum, he did not want to restructure his offense to run through a running back. That's not what he does. He likes running backs by committee. He likes to spread the wealth. He likes an offense to be very much like a basketball team, in which you have four or five different options. You saw that in Denver. You've seen that really every step along the way. He doesn't want the running back to be the focal point and he you know, basically had to do that because the general manager and the owner wanted to bring in Bell, and you clearly saw that it did not work last year. Uh, this is going to be Le'Veon Bell's last year with the Jets before he gets cut, and his guaranteed money runs out after this season. So I will be very interested to see if there's a true commitment on the head coach's part to at least get this very talented player more involved in the right way.
0: All right, well, uh, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we will discuss some Jets defense. so he, he wants a new contract. There have been trade rumors for, uh, I mean, let's say 12 to 18 months now. It feels like, uh, he, he actually came on the podcast at the Super Bowl and I was, I was, I was just struck talking to him. Like, like he is. I don't get why the Jets don't want to pay him because again, they have no one on the roster that's any good that they can actually pay. I mean, they can't even, you can't even pay Sam Darnold, right? I mean, like, like you, you, you literally are not allowed to pay Sam Darnold. Um, you know, you, you just have, you've whiffed on all these draft picks and you have Jamal Adams who clearly is a locker room leader. He's an uh, all pro player. Now granted, he doesn't, you know, he's not, he's not a, he doesn't play a premier position, but he's such an impactful guy. I, why? Why are the Jets doing this? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Well, it's a multi-layered question with a multi-layered answer. Sure. Uh, I, I
1: think it, you know it will start at the top. Uh, a lot of people praised Joe Douglas for doling out these you know relatively cheap slash affordable contracts and free agency. A lot of one-year deals or de facto one-year deals, uh, and he did that because of the guidance or I guess the parameters that were put in place by ownership. Really? Ownership did not want to spend a lot of cash this year. And so Joe Douglas works around it as best as he can. So it's not as if Douglas was this uh, incredibly shrewd negotiator who did not want to dole out these big money contracts. He just simply could not do it. He's like, hey, look, my boss. here's what my boss is giving <laughs> Now, <you." laughs> look, he's not going to say that publicly. In fact, sure. I've asked him about that publicly uh, because there clearly was a cash flow issue this year. Uh, he's not going to throw ownership under the bus. I totally understand that. But the reality is that was the situation that he was dealing with. So under that umbrella, you have to think if Jamal Adams gets a big contract, he's obviously going to get a fairly sizable signing bonus. And you're going to have to pay that money up front. And cash always matters more than cap. You know, uh, Fans get caught up in salary cap space. Can we get this yes. there? Because we have X amount of dollars in the cap left.
0: Anybody who knows
1: anything about the NFL and how it's structured, knows that cash matters much more than cap. And that's what comes down to uh, the ownership's willingness. It comes down to their desire to spend money this year, uh, upfront, real money, cash. And that's, you know, that's not the case with the Jets. Their ownership is not allowing them to do that this year. Now, my understanding is that that ownership has given uh, the front office assurances that things will be different next year. We'll find out.
0: We've talked about this with in our uh, podcast uh, with Adam Beasley on the Dolphins and Matthew Fairburn on the Bills, Tom Brady's departure matters. Unfortunately, for like for Adam Gase, like there's everybody who is not, like the Jets, Dolphins, and Bills, all of a sudden feel like they have a window to rush in and steal the AFC East for the first time in 20 years. Whether that's real or not, it doesn't matter because there's an expectation from ownership and the fan base that they should do something like that.
1: No, absolutely. And look, publicly, I don't think you're going to get very many coaches saying that. In <laughs> fact, I think coaches will say the exact opposite. They want to temper expectations, of course. Uh, you mentioned a good point, Will, about losing the locker room. And then last, you know, last year people said, look, they started off one and seven. Uh, I think they finished five and two. You know, technically the record books will say they finished six and two, but they won a de facto preseason game in week 17 against the Bills JV team. That's a right. Game, That's fair. A game, by the way, in which the, Bills at one point lined up a wide receiver at cornerback because their second stringers got hurt. And they look, it was, it was an obvious, uh, uh, you know, uh preseason game. And they only um, won 13 to six, by the way, they didn't right. like, and they didn't they, like stop. The so I look at the 19 uh, the 2019 season as a six and nine season history, <laughs> obviously remember them as a seven and nine season. The bottom line, unless things change dramatically is that Adam Gase is viewed inside that locker room as the offensive coordinator. Every defensive player of consequence that I have talked to privately has said they view Greg Williams as their leader, as their head coach. There's a clear divide in that team, offense and defense. I'm not saying they're fighting, that not at all. They support each other. But uh, if you talk to defensive players, they're not looking at Adam Gase as their leader. They look at Greg Williams as their, as their leader. I don't believe that's going to change. I, I don't believe there's going to be any kind of anarchy, It only because the defensive players believe in Greg Williams. Now, I will also tell you that players on both sides have told me a lot of interesting things about their head coach, things that they will not tell people publicly. Uh, and and there, there's a reason why I say that he is not a good leader. That's not something that I wake up in the morning and think up in my mind. That's coming from people inside the organization. And I think that's telling. And again, he has an opportunity to change that Every day he wakes up, he has an opportunity to change that this year. Uh, we'll see if he takes advantage of that opportunity.
0: I, I can't, I still can't get past the fact that he told everybody he skipped Thanksgiving with his family and then he went out and got like stomped (laughs) by the Bengals. And look,
1: he is an unusual person. And again, I am not a psychologist. (laughs) There are many things that I know about him that, uh, aren't, you know, aren't things that I'm willing to share? Sure. But he's a very unusual person, and I think that's probably the simplest, most accurate way of putting
0: it. All right, I could talk to you about Adam Gase for all all, all day long. Manish Meta of the New York Daily News, thank you so much for taking the time. Awesome stuff as always. Make sure and read him uh, at at the New York Daily News. You will you will read something about Adam Gase at some point <laughs> in this coming season. I can promise you that. I right. follow him at Meta n y d n on Twitter. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, well, appreciate it. Take care.